Good evening, and welcome back to another reading of Ghosts of Sussex. And today's chapter is Phantoms at Hertzman's Sioux Castle. Enjoy. A castle built of red brick in the 1440s, complete with turrets and moat, should really have a ghost. Hertzman's Sioux, for centuries the home of the Dacre family, lives up to its appearance with not one ghost, but several. One hundred years after the building of the castle, there was a tragedy in the family. Sir Thomas Fiennes, 3rd Lord Dacre, succeeded to the estate when he was barely 17 years old. Lord Dacre had youth, looks and wealth, but he had the misfortune to have some boisterous friends who shared his liking for wine and his dislike for his near neighbour Sir Nicholas Pelham. On the eve of May Day in 1541, they have enjoyed a convivial evening together when one of them suggested out of the blue that it would be a good sport to go and poach some deer from old Pelham's estate at Lauden. The idea met with popular support and off they rode in high spirit, laughing and talking. In fact, they made too much noise to be any success at poaching because their approach was heard by the group of Pelham's foresters who, mistrusting their motives, laid in wait to see what would happen. When the foresters plainly saw that it was the intention of the young men to kill some deer, they rushed out of their hiding place and furious melee ensued. It was never clear exactly what happened, because it was dark and there was a mass of men fighting each other and some say that Lord Dacre never took part in the fighting at all. Be that as it may, one of the foresters, John Bushbrig, was mortally wounded and died two days later. Lord Dacre and his seven friends was arrested and eventually tried. The unfortunate Lord Dacre was brought to the scaffold at Tyburn and executed. Is it any wonder that the ghost of the Lord Dacre should return to haunt Hertzmansu? He has been seen in the grounds riding a fine mettlesome horse and he wears large brass spurs and a rust-colored cloak. When spoken to, both horse and rider plunges into the moat. But it is the legend of the ghostly drummer which is synonymous with Hertzman Sioux. The apparition is reputedly not of a small boy, but of a huge figure nine feet tall who marches along the battlements with sparks flying from his drumsticks. Today it is generally assumed that such a story was put about by smugglers anxious to keep the locals away and the smugglers' contraband safe from prying eyes. The ruinous state of the castle in the 19th century certainly made it an ideal hiding place. What is certain is that there was a ghostly knocking heard at the castle and the story was probably enlarged by the smugglers into a gigantic spectre. The cynics say that the ghostly drummer was laid not by exorcism but by the building of a coast guard cottages on the coast. There is a room in the castle called the Drummer's Hall. When Horace Walpole visited Hortzman's Sioux in 1752, he was shown this room which he called a dismal chamber. Legend has it that the ghostly drummer was actually one of the Lord's Dacre who for unspecified reasons was living in a concealment while pretending to be dead. However, he was a jealous man 
and he thought of other men courting his supposed widow made him so angry that he beat the drum as a deterrent and a warning. A curious part of the drummer legend is the discovery and subsequent disappearance of an old iron chest. It was a cold winter's day in 1738 when two bored youngsters decided to explore the dark attics of the castle. Up the creaking stairs went the two friends, John Miller, a young servant in the Hare family, and Will Lancaster, the son of the steward. John carried the candle, which only served to accentuate the flickering shadows on the wall. As they were going along the passage to the attic, Will leant forward and blew out the candle, and they were submerged in darkness. Instinctively, John put out his hand to the wall to steady himself and instead of a plain wall, he found that his fingers were resting on a concealed recess. Excitedly, the boys relit the candle and held it high to peer into the recess. They saw an old-fashioned iron chest pushed against the far wall and they pulled it out and down into the room. Along the passage so that they could have a better look. The key turned quite easily in the lock and inside they found a jumble of papers including some stiff volume. Will said must be important documents, but they were not interest, interested in them. What did fascinate the boys were two hammer-like objects of metal attached to the chest. What were they? If they were handles, why were they so easily to detach? Will laughed and seized them. He beat a tattoo on the lid of the trunk. At once they both became serious, because the noise resembles the sound of the kettle drum being struck. John took the sticks and struck the chest too. There was no doubt about it. It was just like a drum. Perhaps they had found the phantom drummer. They rushed off to spread the exciting news. However, between the time they left and the time they managed to drag the reluctant student to see their discovery, the chest had mysteriously vanished. In 1892, the very same chest was rediscovered, covered in rust, in the underground passages of the castle by a Mr. Winchester. It was placed in the guard room directly below the drummer's hall, but unfortunately nothing is known of its present whereabouts. A grey lady also haunts the castle. The story begins with a later Thomas Lord Dacre who lived well beyond his means and was obliged to sell Herdsman's Sue to pay off his debt. The estate was bought by George Nyler, who had married Lady Grace Pelham, sister of the Duke of Newcastle, and their only child, a daughter, was called Grace too. But the parents died young, and by an age of five, little Grace was an orphan, and the heiress to herdsman Sue. By all accounts, she grew into a beautiful young woman, who was looked after devotedly by her old nurse Margaret Beckett and her governess. The tragedy was that on the threshold of life, with everything before her, Grace died suddenly in her 21st year. What probably happened is that Grace suffered from what we would call today anorexia nervosa. Whatever the initial reason which triggered off the condition, it is agreed that young Grace died of starvation. A portrait has survived which shows Grace wearing a dress with a tight, narrow bodice above billowing skirt it is easy to see how this sort of fashion could make a young girl obsessive about her weight. 
Colonel Claude Lothar, who bought Hertzman's suit in 1911, encountered a young girl in the courtyard, whom he took to be a gypsy girl out begging. But as soon as he spoke to her, she disappeared. He remembered especially that she was wringing her hands, which were very white and shriveled. This ghost was young Grace, known as the Grey Lady. Unlike the ghostly drum and the galloping Lord Dacre, the Grey Lady is silent and she glides about thin and sad and unsubstantial. There is another beautiful and tragic lady who haunts Hertzman Sioux. Known as the White Lady, she walks in the ground either near the moat or in the castle gardens. She is Georgiana Naylor, a late 18th century lady renowned for her brains as much as for her beauty. An unorthodox lady, she went about clad in white from head to toe. Not only this, but she was accustomed to riding in the park on a white ass, followed like Mary's proverbial lamb by a tame white doe. Misfortune and ill health came upon Georgiana. Some say it is because her doe was torn to pieces by a pack of stray dogs and that she never got over it. She went abroad to live and died at Lucerne in 1806. When a white lady is seen in the grounds, she is always wearing a long white cloak such as she used to wear. Sometimes she is seen riding her white ass with the white doe trotting along behind her. Well, thank you very much for joining me tonight in this reading of The Ghost of Sussex. I really did some effort to try and get the pronunciations right this time. So please, come back next week or next time and join me for, let's see, what will be next? The Girl with Golden Ringlets. Until then, have a good day. Cheers.